Hey everyone, it's James Baca and welcome to another edition of the Notorious Banker Podcast. Get this, 29,000 plus amazing followers all over my social media channels. We got 21,500 on TikTok at Notorious Banker, 3,300 plus at Bank Better Guy on Twitter, and 4,000 plus amazing followers on Instagram at Notorious Banker. I am the author of the book, High Risk Transaction, The Ryan Coogler Bank of America Incident, now available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback format. And I'm soon to be a published author of a book about Evil Zell, which is the subject of this particular podcast. Guys, thank you so very much for the love and support. I really do appreciate it. And, you know, I'm really thankful that you listen to this podcast. You know, a lot of the times I listen to my own podcast. I know I'm a very narcissistic person, right? And I hear my voice. I hear my voice. It's pretty calming and I'm pretty conversational. And for the most part, I do feel that this podcast is interesting, but... You know, there's no background music. I I have a few guests every now and then, but this is just me talking and opining about the thing that I love and the thing that I hate the most, which is retail banking. And I really think that the simple fact that I have thousands of people listening to this podcast anytime I post a new one basically tells me that all of you listeners out there really understand what I'm talking about when it comes to retail banking and feel the same way for the most part. And a lot of you listeners out there really understand where I'm coming from. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you're bitter or you're just a bitter ex-employee of Bank of America and they screwed you over. That's why you hate them, whatever. No, I had these feelings when I was still getting a paycheck there. Maybe that is makes me the ultimate hypocrite at the end of the day. But I was I was naive. I didn't know any better. I didn't want to leave the banking industry because that's all that I knew. And I was actually really good at it. But then I found that, I don't know, that I, I was doing more harm than good. So whenever I left B of A, I think it was kind of one of those just breath of fresh air type of things. And, you know, four years into this little project that I have here, talking about Zelle, talking about all the pandemic stuff that happened with, you know, PPP loans and unemployment and all that stuff. And just the day-to-day assistance of customers. And I'm helping about six people now with various issues across three banks. And four of them are um, due to the the topic of today, which is Zelle. We're going to have a Zelle-specific podcast today um you know i i am busy all the time i'm working i would say 50 hours a week more than i did while working in the banking industry and the reason why i do that is because i really believe in what i do i promised you guys a part two with the congressional testimony by big bank ceos and i will bring that to you in the next few days just got kind of sidetracked with life and all the little things that go on with it um long story short um i'm an extreme couponer and there's some coupons that are expiring today that i've been working on in the last week so many trips to the grocery store later i am still trying to gather groceries for the the long cold winter months but i will have that podcast in a few days because i really do believe that there's some excerpts there um even regarding some of the things we've talked about in this podcast about gas station ATMs, how the underbank rely on these ATMs, and how Chase Bank was basically cockblocking the owners of these ATMs from even banking with them, um, which impacts customers in all these you know developing communities. And then we had uh, Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan having to discuss what he meant by he would like a cashless society. That was a very interesting topic because this is something that he said three years ago. We talked about it pre-pandemic, and I had my thoughts about it then. And damn sure do I believe that they're still coming true today in 2022. As branches have limited hours or if they're closing altogether, the limited amount of um, resources at the bank, a.k.a. money, in the ATMs and inside the vault, basically tells me the Bank of America is trying to force this cashless society. And there's a whole swatch. Am I... 
um, am I using that word correctly, a whole just the, the flyover country, if you will, of America that basically still relies on cash. It's a cash world out there for a lot of people. Yes, they have credit cards. Yes, they have debit cards. But some people just like to hold cash in their purse, in their wallet, or just in their pocket. And, you know, for big banks to basically try to push a society into a cashless society, especially when we have the fear that we have about products like Zelle in our lives, well, you better believe that's why I have a lot of listeners. And you better believe that's why I want to talk about what Brian Moynihan said in part two of that podcast coming in a few days. So be on the lookout for that. I will probably post that either um, in the next couple of days, if not Monday at the latest. I really want to get some good clips and then kind of opine on those as well. But, I, you know, it's been a really slow week in the banking world. Not a lot of news going on on Twitter. Just a little, you know, bit of help here and there that I've helped with people on social media. You know, it's it's just one of those slow weeks. And it's okay. Um, it's the end of the quarter, September 30th. It's, you know, we're a few weeks away from earnings reports of banks. There's going to be a lot of news to talk about with big banks in the next few weeks. And hopefully more conversations about Zal. And, of course, we've got the election season coming up and everything. There's going to be plenty to talk about. And... I don't like talking about politics, but let's just be frank. If certain people get elected to the House and Senate, um, we may not be having these deep, uh, forceful conversations about banking that I think we need to have. Now, don't get me wrong here. I think there's a lot of people on the other side of the aisle that really feel the way that we feel about how banks are interrupting and impacting their lives. They they kind of talk about different things, though. And, you know, like they were talking about, you know, labeling gun purchases on credit cards um you know there's a code that credit card companies use for gun purchases now that they created and that's a way of identifying gun owners i don't like getting into that discussion it's just it's a discussion where there's no winners it's either like you believe what i believe or i'm not talking to you and i have people on both sides in my family and my friends and all i can say is it's a very hot button topic and it's one of those things where as crazy as it sounds, I think we could find equal ground and being pissed off at banks for that very reason. And I can get to that in another podcast. But today we're going to talk about Zelle. We're going to talk about Zelle like we're always talking about Zelle. Of course, I am the author, soon to be published author, of a book about Zelle. My personal thoughts, opinions, and my little research that I've done in the last couple of years, I really think I have a different perspective on Zelle fraud, on what's been going on with Zelle, because I was a person who was introduced to it while working in the banking industry. I was a person who was supposed to sell that as part of a checking account package that I opened for people. And as a consumer advocate, this is now a thing that I am constantly fighting about for the people, for the American people. And I really think that it's something that needs to go away or be severely altered in its current form. So I'm going to do two parts to this podcast. I'm going to do the first part. We're going to talk about something I just saw a couple of hours ago. It is through U.S. Bank, one of those banks we talk about very rarely here because we usually talk about the big four. But U.S. Bank was in the news a few months ago with the fake account scandal that they had. They were asked about it during the congressional hearings as well. Um, I noticed an offer to get people, to convince people to use Zelle. And the cash bonus that you get just for using it is... um, it's not that impressive. So we're going to get to that in just a second. And then secondarily, we're going to talk about, you know, I, I, I hate so much on Zelle. I really think it's a good idea in theory, though. I really think that being able to send money cross bank using these networks, this network, if you're Wells Fargo and I'm Bank of America, 
the ability, the ease to send you $10 without having to get it out and go see you and give you the money and you have to deposit it at the ATM. I understand the benefit statement for using Zelle. But I have just kind of an idea I want to throw up against the wall here. And, you know, it's something that's kind of sort of being implemented with Venmo and Cash App and whatnot. But I really think that if Zelle is supposed to be a network of banks, it should be treated more like a, a personal network rather than networking the world. And I'll, I'll, I'll get to what I mean in just a second. But first, we're going to talk about this very underwhelming offer to use Zelle at U.S. Bank after this brief break. So please stick around. James Baca, known professionally as The Notorious Banker, inviting you to go to my website, thenotoriousbanker.com. Okay, it's not a real website, it's just a domain name that forwards to a link tree, but on that link tree, you're going to see all of my links to all of my social media content on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. You're going to find links to the books that I have written on Amazon, and of course, you're going to find this podcast as well, and any other additional content that I may decide to do in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. But that domain name is going to stay the same, my friends, because I paid for it for a few years. That's www.thenotoriousbanker, all one word, dot com. All right, everyone, I'm back with more Notorious Banker. So I kind of wanted to be succinct with this podcast because, you know, I can go on and on and talk for like an hour and a half if you tell me to. Um, But I really wanted to get to this topic and I'm going to try to be brief about it, but I also may go on a rant as well. As you know, I am writing a book about Zelle. I'm writing a book about how unethical Zelle is and how it's leading to so many problems, including fraud. And, you know, this link that I'm going to share with you in the show notes is a link to the, the topic we're talking about right now. And there's people commenting about Zelle just in the... It's a it's a couponing website. And there's people commenting about Zelle in the comments. And all they're talking about is fraud, fraud, fraud. And someone posted a link to a YouTube video of Clark Howard... You know, one of those financial experts, think Dave Ramsey types. Um, I never was a big Dave Ramsey fan, but Clark Howard I actually kind of enjoy. He has a video talking about how bad Zell is. And, you know, Clark Howard knows his demographic. I'm sure the median age of Clark Howard's um, financial programs is probably somewhere in the mid-50s. Mine is like 28 or 29, um, because probably because I say fucking shit a lot <laughs> in my podcast and in my social media channels. Um, but Clark Howard was really cool. I, I used to love watching his show on CNN when it was on there. And he talks about how bad Zell is. And he knows his demographics, so he knows that the people who are impacted by Zell are the people who listen to the Clark Howard show. And I really think that that's important to note because, you know, there's certain people on both sides of the aisle who think Zell is bad. You know, whenever you see the congressional testimony of um, the bank CEOs last week, and you see Elizabeth Warren and uh, Katie Porter a couple years back before she got kind of demoted from that. Um, You see mostly Democrats talking about Zelle, talking about fraud and all that. And, you know, I, I understand that. But people who have a lot of fans on the other side of things... Um, yeah, they, they have they have the same beliefs. And, and it's just weird how we're kind of conditioned to not trust each other and not want to listen to each other. And, you know, Clark Howard, who lists himself as fiscally conservative and socially progressive, which tells you that even when you're a little bit conservative, you're going to have conservative followers. And I think people who are on the conservative side of things probably don't want to listen to Elizabeth Warren and Katie Porter talking about Zell. But if people on the other side of the aisle were talking about this, 
I really think things would be a lot better. I really do believe that. And I really do believe Zal can be eradicated. Um, because it's, it's important to realize one thing. We don't want to get burned. It doesn't matter where you come from. I don't want to lose my money, the money that I work hard for. You don't want to lose your money. So whenever you have something that's kind of built in a, in a, in a sleek way, like it's a fucking Tesla or one of those new Tesla cyber trucks, although that's not really sleek, it's kind of like pointy. Um, we have a problem here. We have a, a, a sleek weapon that crooks use to steal your money via Zell. And I'm a little bit younger than Clark Howard. I'm a little bit younger than Bob Sullivan, who talks about Zell all the time um, on Twitter as well. I talk about it probably the most. And I have a better perspective of it probably because of the age difference. But also just because I know what it's like to sit in an office and hear the bank lie to a customer and basically say, yeah, we're going to help you. And they don't really want to help you because then it just kind of points out that Zell is in fact a pile of shit. So leave it to good old U.S. Bank, segueing from pile of shit. <laughs> I, I, I don't dislike U.S. Bank. I actually trained one of my workers at B of A, and he went on to be, uh, I believe they call it a universal banker at U.S. Bank. I don't know why you're the universe when you're in the U.S. Can't you just be an American banker? I, I don't know. But anyway, U.S. Bank, they um, were new to my market about a decade ago. They bought a failed bank near Bank of America, ironically enough, here in Las Cruces. And, you know, it's weird. There's a local bank, and all of a sudden, the customers became part of U.S. Bank, which is one of the biggest national banks out there. Well, you know, I'm browsing for coupons all the time. I needed to buy socks. I needed to buy towels. I actually bought an NBA jersey for the first time in 10 years last week. So I've been trying to do a little bit of shopping, a little bit of couponing, trying to save money here and there. And whenever I go to my little deals website, and I'll link to it in the show notes, slickdeals.net, I see a targeted offer for U.S. Bank, and this is what the banner headline says, U.S. Bank select users, use Zelle to transfer and get $5 after two Zelle payments by October 21st. Holy shit, five whole dollars? Wow. That's one gallon of gas or less in California. That's a gallon and a half here in New Mexico. Um, You can buy a gallon of milk for about $4 in New Mexico. You can't buy much. You can't even buy a pizza at, at Little Caesars anymore for $5. I believe it's $5.99. $5 is not a lot of money. So this was the the stuff, the innards of that offer. It says, receive $5 on us before October 21st, 2022. Send two completed Zelle copyright payments of any dollar amount, and we will send you a Zelle copyright payment of $5. Zelle copyright is great for your everyday needs. Use Zelle copyright with confidence to send requests and receive money with friends, family, and others you trust. I just love that they say others you trust as opposed to the family you don't trust. Settle up for takeout or groceries. That's a weird word, settle up. (laughs) It's one word, it's hyphenated. Split rent. And I wrote in my book, I wrote in my book about splitting rent and how using Zelle to split rent is actually going to affect the home loan industry. It's 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 a wormhole that I don't want to get to here because I want you to buy my book. But if you're sending your rent money to a landlord via Zelle or you're sending it to a buddy who then sends it to the landlord via Zelle or something else, you may actually be sending that money and talking yourself out of a home loan down the road. But read my book and you'll understand what I mean. Send gifts of money for birthdays, weddings, holidays, and more. 
and then it gives you the U.S. bank address here. And it talks about Clark Howard's link, uh, and the person says, and Clark Howard says on the YouTube video, deactivate Zelle today. Well, you can't deactivate it. That's the problem. And that's one of the problems that I you know, write about in my book is it's there. So it's there where if you can't register with Zelle, if you don't register with Zelle with your personal information, someone's going to try to register with your phone number if it's a known phone number or your email address if it's a known email address and squat on your information and then that way, whenever you want to, quote, send it back to yourself, you actually send it to the crook. Think about cyber squatting just in the terms of domain names, for God's sake. Okay, think about, you know, who's, who's going to run for president in 2024? I guarantee you Ron DeSantis already purchased rondesantis2024.com or desantis2024.com. And maybe he even did 2028 because it only costs 10 fucking dollars to buy it on GoDaddy or whatever website you use. People used to do that. People used to go, oh, who's the young up-and-comer? Oh, Beto O'Rourke? Yeah, Beto O'Rourke2036.com. Because maybe he's going to be way too old and way too much of a, a young threat <laughs> in 2036 in order to run for president finally, probably in his 60s or 70s at that point. But someone probably bought it. And someone's holding out hope. You know, $10 investment over time. That way, in 2034... They think, you know, Beto's going to run, and they're going to say, hey, we think you're going to run in 2036. I got BetoO'Rourke2036.com. I'll give it to you for a million dollars. Now, there's rules now that don't allow that type of cyber squatting anymore, so you can't do that anymore. But basically, Zelle is the cyber squatting of today. It's basically sitting on your email or phone number that you're not using because you haven't, quote, activated it with Zelle. And then whenever, you know, the crooks try to call you and say, hey, your Zelle was activated and I think they sent the money out. We want you to send it back to yourself. Then you send the money to the crooks and then the bank says, we're not going to fucking help you. So Clark Howard's wording about deactivating Zelle is kind of weird. It's kind of wrong because you can't deactivate it. That's the problem. It's there. It's a Trojan horse. But anyway, you know, just seeing this targeted offer, especially from U.S. Bank, which is you know, not one of the big four banks, you know, they're middle of the pack, if anything. And they're wanting you to kind of up your Zelle usage and giving you an incentive to do so by October 21st. Five dollars? Five dollars. I helped my mom buy a mattress uh, last week, and it was $214. And I knew, she said she was going to send me cash in the mail, which I don't like for her to do, and she ended up doing it. And I got it in the mail, and it was $220. And me, I'm like, wow, $6. And I already think, hey, I'm going to have a nice dinner. <laughs> I, I think that way because I'm an extreme couponer. I can buy $30 worth of shit for $6. But to the average person, $6 is nothing. $5 is nothing. So the fact that Zelle, which is owned by all the banks, collectively trillions of dollars of assets there, and supposedly hundreds of billions of dollars were moved via Zelle since the pandemic started. They're wanting to get new customers and they're willing to offer you a cool $5. Dude, there are accounts that I've opened up with banks, Chime being one of them, that offered me $200 just for setting it up. And, you know, on PNC, when I got my unemployment fine, they opened an account with PNC for the first time. They gave me a $200 bonus just for trying them out. U.S. Bank, one of the biggest banks in the country, if not the world, 
says, hey, use this thing which is going to allow us to limit how many tellers are in the bank, to limit staff, limit branches, limit hours, limit customer service agents by making you self-sufficient, which is something that I told you has been going on for years and years and years in retail banking. Use this twice, any amount, send it a dollar. You know why the twice? Because that means you logging into your online banking twice has permanently activated your online banking and someone got a sales hit off of that. Someone got something towards their sales goals by you logging in twice and you sending two Zells out of any amount. And they're gonna send you a payment of five dollars. You know, excuse me while I, you know, try to catch my breath from hyperventilating how much fucking money you sent me. Now we live in this world where, you know, someone can invest five dollars in crypto and it turns into a million. And, you know, it's it's weird, it's fake, by the way. But you have all these all these you know things where five dollars can mean a lot to someone, and five dollars can mean absolute shit to people. There are people in Vegas that tip people twenty dollars just for bringing their bag bags up to the room. And I've seen before in Vegas too, by the way, where those those street performers you give them a five dollar tip. Like if you want to take a picture with Mickey Mouse on the strip, and you give them a five dollar tip, they're gonna be like, oh, can you make it ten? Those people are fucking hustlers. They know that five dollars ain't shit, but ten dollars kind of is. So for the bank to be disingenuous to say, hey, use Zelle. Use this product that's basically going to underbank you in the next few years. We're going to give you five whole dollars for that because you're saving us thousands. Don't you feel that there's something a little weird, a little wrong there? I do. Because you can send payments of any dollar amount. Well, shouldn't it matter how much you send? If you're just sending it for a dollar, what kind of what kind of investment is that? It's a long-term investment for the bank. You send $2 to someone, they give you 5 But also, they have one more little tick mark in the, hey, we have 30 million customers who never walk into the branch anymore. So that's why we're reducing our branches by 15% and reducing our staff by 20%. You're contributing to all these people losing their jobs. You're contributing to these branches closing. You're contributing to the long line that you bitch about in the bank whenever you follow through on an offer like this. I love to get bonuses with the best of them. And would I probably do this? I probably would. But I also know the ramifications of going into an offer like this and saying, hey, you know what? $5 is not worth the amount of stress that a lot of people are going to have for losing their jobs because of what me becoming a Zelle regular user, quote-unquote, entails. And then all the things from management, including the managers themselves losing jobs because somewhere early warning services LLC said, hey, we need to up the numbers for how many Zelle users we have. That way we can kind of swing our dick around and become the big, you know, big hit on the block and kind of put Venmo and Cash App out of business. That's not cool. It's not cool. And I think people understand now with the fraud element of Zelle that is it worth it? Is it worth having it on here? And that's the weird dichotomy that I have too. It's like I tell people, don't even you know acknowledge Zelle. <clears throat> Zelle is on your app, but don't go to it. Don't use it. You can find other ways to pay your friends money without going through this thing that is potentially dangerous. But at the same time, you can't avoid it because it's integrated in your app. It's integrated with the bank that you're at, most of the banks anyway. So you kind of it's it's kind of best not to just ignore it altogether because there are gonna be people, there are people out there who 
will squat on your information and steal your money from you because you're not paying attention. So I say, yes, you have to kind of pay attention to it, but that doesn't mean you have to give it the time of day. And you activating Zelle, putting your email address and phone number there is good enough. Don't don't sell your soul for five whole dollars by sending Zells to other people. I really think that there can be some benefits to a Zell-like product, and I'm gonna to get to that in the next segment here. But this enticement, you know, it's different. Like I said, we used to have the $25 referral for friends to give other friends to open up a checking account at Bank of America. And people will laugh at the 25 even 15 years ago because they're like, I can get 200 at Citibank, 200 at Chase. And I understand that. I used to take advantage of those things too. But it never was about that at first at Bank of America. It was just about well, just get them in the door. You know, we don't have to pay the customer that's opening the account the $100 bonus. We're giving his friend 25 for doing the referral for us, for doing our dirty work for us, which means it's less tellers that you have to employ in order to get those referrals for new accounts. So they see it as a worthwhile investment at that point. With these Zell things, with the push to get people debit cards, the sales goals for online and mobile banking, it was all meant to, to, to make people self-sufficient, which is fine. I use self-checkout almost everywhere because I'm a better checker and I want to try my coupon codes out and all that stuff on self-checkout machines. But with self-service comes no service everywhere else. At the grocery store that I frequent at 8 o'clock, there's no more in-person groceries, a grocery scanner. You have to go self-checkout, and that leads to some fucking horrible old people not able to scan their groceries. And what contributed to that? Well, the self-checkout machines being there for one, but the fact that people like me would rather just deal with that and ignore talking people and trying my coupon code, seeing if this works. That way I can document it. That way I can save money down the road. I'd rather do that all the time, but I'm contributing to the problem. I'm causing jobs to be lost. I'm causing less staffing by being one of these people who are not complaining about having a, a checker available and using a self-checkout machine that was designed to eliminate human bodies, you know, because machines rarely call in sick, although they do break from time to time. But this is all that it is, you know, offering someone a bribe to use your product is is the way that it's always been in America. But even U.S. Bank is kind of disingenuous with the $5. I mean, do you think that people are really going to sign up for this and get $5 after sending two Zelle payments? Actually, yes, I do. You'd be amazed what people would do for a buck. Whenever we were first doing uh, deposit migration at Bank of America probably a decade ago, um, we had those new cool ATMs where you didn't need an envelope anymore to put your checks and cash in, where idiots like me would count at the end of the day when I was a teller. You used to be able to feed your checks in like a dollar bill and scan them in and ditto your money without the envelope. So what we did um, on a couple of Fridays is we would offer people a cashier's check to try our new deposit ATMs because we were so proud of them. We also had something called the ATM Ambassador and that was me. It was just me standing around the ATM like I was, like, you know, selling something, selling cookies at Walmart with the Girl Scouts or something. I was standing by the ATM. I was like, hey, would you like to try our new deposit ATMs today? If you do, I'm going to give you this cashier's check. We're going to give you a bonus for trying it out. The cashier's check was for $1. $1. We spent an hour and a half before opening 
printing out, and it's not it's not easy to print out a cashier's check at the bank, printing out fifty one dollar checks to give to fifty customers for trying out our new service. We went through all fifty. All fifty people got the checks and deposited it along with their cash or their other checks. When I come to think of it, our our biggest month in terms of customers who walked into the branch was a little over 5,000 customers. And while we gave 50 people the seed to plant, saying, hey, you can do all your stuff on the ATM, you don't need to see us anymore, we basically bribed 1% of our clientele to never talk to us again, to never come into the bank, which years later eventually led to my branch closing down. It's been going on for years, but this is a high-tech way, this is a digital way to get people away from the branch and to get people to move their little, you know, nest egg into the we're exclusively online bracket. That way US Bank can say, Well, you know what? Digital is up forty two percent, Zelle is up seventy five percent. So um we we feel sad that we have to close five hundred branches nationwide, but we also feel encouraged that our customers are adapting to twenty first century banking. I'm doing the the jerking off motion right now. It's it's bullshit. It's a lie, and that's that's basically what banks are doing. Banks are basically fudging their own numbers to show that hey, you don't need us anymore. We don't need to be in your community because we're always in your community in the palm of your hand with your smartphone. I love my smartphone. Smartphones have given me life. It's given me a career as a notorious banker, and it's given me the opportunity to coupon like no other person on earth. But it's also causing banks to not be truthful to their clients and to bribe these clients who are underserved and are going to be underbanked pretty soon. $5 to basically acknowledge a false narrative that big banks are doing what they can to help customers by giving them all these technological advances, not necessarily discussing, hey, Zelle's this bad thing where a lot of people steal a lot of money. We got a problem. But I guess in retrospect, if you're going to get ripped off of $3,000 using Zelle, because 3000 seems to be the, the round number that people always get defrauded out of with Zelle, and U.S. Bank is willing to give you $5 for trying out Zelle twice, well, hey, hell, you're only short $2,995. A little bit at a time. Small, small move, Zelle. You know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you clear a $3,000 fraudulent transaction using Zelle out of your account? Well, the bank's going to help you get started with that. And they're going to pitch in $5 to get you on your way, to get you going. Yeah, to get you going away from the fucking bank. I'll link to this in the show notes, but check it out. It's ridiculous. But after this brief parole consideration, I'm just going to run an idea off of you about what I think Zelle would be beneficial for, if you could believe that. So we'll talk about that in a second, so please stick around. known professionally as a notorious banker inviting you to join me on tiktok my tiktok channel is at notorious banker join the more than 20,000 amazing followers on my channel as i talk about bank topics and give you a little humor and information in the meantime um, being a 13 year former associate of a bank i can tell you a lot of stories that happen and i do tell you a lot of stories that are um, a little weird a little bizarre a little vulgar 
on that TikTok channel, and I also give you information about which banks to avoid. I talk about bank news of the day, and I interact with a lot of people, and I answer questions for my followers um, in the comments. It's something that I'm really proud of. We got over half a million likes on this channel already, and you know, there's there's some videos that have gotten over a million views, and I'm really proud of that. It goes to show you that a lot of people love talking about banks. A lot of people love talking about their money, and a lot of people love talking about how crappy those banks can be. So follow my TikTok channel at Notorious Banker and join the more than 20,000 followers who already do and have some fun with me, yours truly, the Notorious Banker. All right, I'm back with the last segment of the Notorious Banker podcast. So the one thing that I wanted to talk about um, in the midst of all this, me discussing the book that I'm writing about Zelle, is, you know, James, do you think that there are some benefits to using Zelle? And, you know, I want to be one of those haters that just talks a hundred times worth the amount of shit that I should about Zelle, because it's well-deserved. It is well-deserved, especially with all the banks who are doing as little as possible to help the customers impacted by Zelle. I do understand the theory of making things easier for people and i understand that we live in a in a world that is built to make life easier i have an automatic trash can for god's sakes you know just if i'm holding you know cracked eggshells i don't have to dirty my trash can by opening it up with my egg soaked hand and then pouring the shells in there i can just kind of put my forearm over the sensor it'll open it up pour my eggshells in there and that's it i really think things like that hue lights for that matter um, the A-L-E-X-A devices that are in my house, the G-O-O-G-L-E devices that are in my house, are all made to make life easier. You can listen to music, you can stream your podcast, you can get the weather reports, you can find out what's going on in the news, you can play games, you can even dial in to those devices and use them as kind of a one-way intercom. We have a niece who has these crying fits at times and she'll lock herself in one of our rooms whenever she's a guest at our house and we'll talk to her via the speakers and we'll say, hey, are you doing okay in there? You know, and this is legit. You know, remember, I remember when I was a kid in the 80s, you know, people with intercoms in their houses, I used to think that was fucking wild. They used to think that was amazing considering, you know, it was just technology. It was basically a walkie-talkie built into the wall, but that just meant that you were rich. Now I got nine of these devices in my house maybe 10 and i got another 10 more in the closet in case we ever decide to put some in the bathroom or in the garage or outside i mean this is this is life life is life is supposed to be easier because as time goes on technology solves all of our problems including the self-driving car which is still you know always in constant development but that's something that's in the not too distant future for a lot of people sending money is not a it's not a new thing. We've needed to send money to people for years. Western Union, MoneyGram, and of course sending people checks, sending people postal money orders. I used to get postal money orders all the time for what I used to sell on eBay. And I used to go to the post office to cash those money orders. This was my life. This is what I did. I didn't have a bank for the longest time because I was afraid of having a bank account for the longest time. And until I worked at Bank of America, I finally understood the benefits of having a bank account now there's nothing that i do that doesn't have a bank account tied to it financial wise anyway i'm not big on cash that doesn't mean i'm anti-cash i just don't like touching it but i also am one of those people who understand that there's some people who just like things the old-fashioned way and that's fine too 
So with Zell, the idea with Zell is to make everything impersonal, to make everything instant, to make everything technological to where you receive money and you send that money out and you never actually physically hold that money, nor is it ever in your account for an extended period of time if you don't want it to be. Well, that's a good idea in theory. That just leads to a lot of confusion for a lot of people. It leads to a lot of issues, especially if you transpose a number. You forgot to, you know, if you are if you have a friend whose name is John Smith and you send it to johnsmith at gmail.com, well, that might not be the John Smith that you meant to send it to. And then your bank is going to say, well, you have to email this other John Smith character and ask him nicely for the money back. I mean, what other fucking world would this be in where, you know, an error happens and then the bank says, you need to fix your error. Otherwise, we're not going to help you get your money back. And that customer is going to get to use your money because you sent it to him. I mean, think about the fucking logic in that. Think about how ridiculous that sounds. But that's what's going on. Self-sufficiency doesn't mean kind of victim blaming and victim shaming whenever there's errors or whenever there's fraud going on. And that's what banks do with Zelle. And the majority of my book is basically telling you that Zelle... The lack of help with Zelle, the apathy that banks have with Zelle fraud, for instance, it, it's not a new idea. The whole idea of Zelle was, you know, started decades ago and at least almost 20 years ago when I started working at the bank. When there's these little corners that we cut that I never understood why we cut them. But all these years later, it rounds out a picture that, oh, this was the plan all along to get all these assholes out of the bank, close branches make customer service that much harder to deal with and if those people don't want to be with us fine we don't want them either at least we don't have to pay overhead to keep six thousand branches open bank of america wells fargo all the companies that own early warning services llc know this and you know any person who works at these companies can give you horror stories about why it's shitty to work there because they are doing x y and z and a lot of the X's, a lot of the Y's, and a lot of the Z's pertain with customer interaction, customer satisfaction, and getting customers to use what they, what I know as alternative ways of banking, which is Zelle, online banking, debit cards, ATM deposits and withdrawals, and you know video chatting with associates, for God's sakes. So when Zelle came along, I understood the, the, the thought of it. Cash App and Venmo were not as big in 2017 as they are now. It seems like this generation just uses it that much more than even people from five years ago. So it's a very competitive market, and it's it's making things a lot easier. It's allowing money to be sent from person to person, which means there's not physical cash that the banks have to order, spend a lot of money, hire a staff to give this cash and receive this cash from customers. I understand the, the savings aspects of it. That doesn't mean I like it. I understand why they do that. But the people who don't want to use it, who are basically getting defrauded by Zelle through no fault of their own, and the bank saying you're not going to help them, well, that's why I have a problem with it. Okay, it's one thing to tell people that you're going to go this route with your company. It's another thing to say, well, we set you up with online banking that we forced upon you, by the way, and um, just by doing that alone, you basically authorized any Zelle to happen. So unfortunately, we can't help you with that. Now, that's part. that part's wrong. But do I think that there is a, a way, a framework of Zelle that can be successful in today's banking world? I say yes, absolutely. And I know early warning probably doesn't give a shit about me or my thoughts about it. I know Zelle as a whole doesn't care about anything. But I can tell you that 
I understand there are two or three people that I would lend money to. Or there are two or three people that I would send money to if I owed them money. Not 50 million people or 100 million people over a thousand different banks. The way Zell, you know, discusses how you can use Zell. I think there should be sort of a Zell light. I know that I know this sounds weird, but where in the world is zero calorie soft drinks, no sugar cookies, gluten free this, you know, salt free that? I, it's ridiculous. I go to the store sometimes and whenever I see a deal on something, I'll say, hey, I want to try that. Oh, wait a second. It's plant based. <laughs> and it just grosses me out and I don't want to do it. I mean, I understand the reason why you don't want to have things the way that they are in terms of, you know, raising animals and all the expensive shit and all the things that are unhealthy for us um, to consume. And I understand why banks say, hey, well, we don't want to have a bunch of people sending each other $10 personal checks. We want to find a quick way to do that. And yes, other countries do it. South Korea, China, Japan, all have these instant ways of basically paying peer-to-peer, even if you don't bank at the same bank, because Frankly, they just they're just better at banking than the than the United States. So, you know, I know that this can be this can be optimal, you know, if done right. I think it could be positive, that doesn't mean I want it, but I just think that there is some way that if you really want to push people out of the banking centers, you really want to push people away from going in the bank for all of life's little bullshit. Okay, fine, fair enough. But also Know that a 75-year-old lady who has, you know, two adult children who maybe has a couple of grandkids that are of age that she talks to that are adults who will ask grandma for help or ask grandma for whatever. I still ask my grandma for stuff until my 30s, for God's sakes. That she's not going to send the Spanish Lottery Commission $1,000 unless she's getting scammed. She's not going to send $999.50 to someone with a Nigerian name or a Saudi name or a Chinese name. She's not going to enroll in Zal and just send every fucking cent out of her account to someone that she doesn't know. So why do you put her in that situation for? Why do you put her in that situation when you know, like, I'm, I know that you're supposed to know your customer. You're supposed to ask them, oh, hey, do you have any kids? Do you have any grandkids? That's how you sell shit to people. But if you have kind of an algorithm where you have something that says, hey, this lady, she pays her bills. She goes to the bingo hall every now and then. Looks like she takes $20 out every once in a while. Maybe ask her about that $20 and she gives her grandkids $20. You can sell some sort of streamlined Zell version. It doesn't have to be via online banking. Just something where, hey, I want to have a path to send my grandkids money into their account and I want to be able to just hit a couple of buttons. I want to log into my online account if I so choose. Say send money to my grandson. You hit a button, how much? $20 send and it's done. You don't have to worry about fumbling or jumbling email addresses or phone numbers, transposing numbers or whatever. And here's the thing. You have four or five, maybe ten for other people. Ten hot buttons, if you will. Ten speed dials to speed dials out to those people. Instead of having to go through the hullabaloo of having to go through entering in all the information and verifying it or whatever. Or worse yet, not doing any of that and someone squats on that and then they use your hotkeys to basically send money to themselves. There's got to be a happy medium that's part of a conversation that says, Do you send money out to customers? 
And, you know, some customers can go, well, what business is that of yours? So, you know, we have a product. We have a product. It's called Zelle. And you know what? If you have grandkids, this is the easiest way to send money to them. You know, we can just have it to where you, you call this number and you hit a button and $20 goes to him. Or you go online banking, you go, hey, send money to your grandson, hit a button, $20 goes to him. That solves a lot of the problems that Zelle is supposedly trying to solve. It would make things easier. If you want all these old people to buy into your Zelle bullshit, you got to understand that an 85-year-old person is not going to go spend $100 to get her hair did at the hair salon who may accept Zelle or not. No, she's going to give it to a small group of friends and family. If she wants to donate to the political party of her choice, she'll probably write a check, and that's okay too. So my thing is, and I think this is a good idea, to have some sort of Zelle light where you ask the question, um, do you send money to certain friends or family? Well, if so, let's activate Zelle today. Get your email address and phone number. That way it protects against fraud. And no one can change that unless they have a signed form from us here at the bank that says we're changing the email address or phone number. And that seems like a pain in the ass, but that's going to prevent a lot of this shit from happening. Okay, well, who do you send money to? Zell doesn't have fucking usernames. So if Zell had usernames, say, oh, I send it to my grandson, John Arthur Smith IV. And that's that's his username too, by the way. And you fill that out. You look for him on there. Oh, yeah, John Arthur Smith IV, Banks at Chase. And his zip code is 12345. Okay, that's it. Okay. And what's his birth date? 1989. Okay, 1989. All right, fine. So we have that on there. And then you said you want to, you want to have your daughter there because your daughter helps you pay bills. Okay, and then you have these hotkeys. And these are the only people that can go in or out. And 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 they're locked in. They're sealed tight. Unless you choose to disable one of them. You don't want people to, you know, get your money anymore or ask you for money. So you cut them off. Call the bank or go to the bank and sign a form saying, I want to remove James from my Zelle hotkey list. Sign a paper says there's no there's no way money from my account can go to Erico five seven five blah 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 blah, and if someone somehow steals your online banking credentials or or knows your codes to get through telephone banking, they can't just send money to that number. So if I'm a drug addict and I'm trying to hit up my grandma for money and I'm trying to break into her account to send money to myself, I'm gonna be locked out. It's gonna flag. It's gonna say you cannot send money to this person unless you register them. I think millions of people would be protected with some variation on this idea. I really do. And I really think banks need to look deep down and say, hey, you know, yes, we want to promote this cashless society, this branch-free society. But we also got to understand not everyone can adapt 100%. And there's certain things, certain routines that we can kind of help with, with a lot of our clients. Let's give them this option, which is a limited Zelle, limited liability, if you will, for for customers and for us, because there's almost no way. And and once you put those people on your hotkeys, your speed dials, if you will, you won't be able to call fraud because you've authorized that person at that point. So that eliminates a lot of the potential BS fraud that can happen with Zelle that banks hate as well. And just have this little quick way of doing it. Because I think older people get intimidated with online banking in its current format and how to send money and whatnot. 
And I think that puts them more at risk because you kind of try to overdo it with them. Uh, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. Do you remember those phones that little kids had, little cell phones that, I don't know if it was Boost Mobile or Singular before it was AT&T or whatever it used to have. It's called like a Firefly phone or something. It was basically a phone for kids and it only had four buttons on there. That phone could only call your mom, your dad, your grandma, and whoever, the school. No smartphone, no you know apps that are downloaded, no low jacks, no one. It's something that someone can steal, but they're not going to get much out of it. And you can't you know text or sext your friends. You can't send any naughty pictures or look at you know faces of death on YouTube or whatever. It was just his phone, and it did its job. It's saying, hey, there's four people that are important to this 12 year old's life. Period. End of story. You need to call your mom. Hit that button right there. Call your dad. Hit that button right there. I think a variation of that for Zell for the old, the elderly community or people who aren't going to use it much while still keeping Zell open, um, you know, for them to at least have a path to use it might be the best way. Now, if you want to go full balls to the wall, Zell, by all means, be my guest. But as I mentioned, you should have a hard opt out. You should have a form that says, I don't want nothing to do with it. And you should honor that, which means that no one can touch this person's account with Zell. Either sending or receiving money, period, end of story. I think having that is a great thing. And also, and I, I mentioned it in my book many times, I'm going to just mention it here quickly, eliminating sales goals with Zelle will make a hell of a lot of difference going forward too. But that's just one of my ideas. I, I don't want to give Early Warning Services LLC um, too many ideas because they are my own and I know they won't give me credit for them. But I think that there can be some happy medium ground for all parties involved here, as long as you show that you're willing to protect your clients, which they don't seem to be doing right now. So that's all I have for today. I'll be back in a few days with part two of the congressional testimony, some of the hot questions that the members of Congress asked big bank CEOs in a few days. I apologize for not having it sooner. I wanted to get this podcast out there for you this week, but I really appreciate you listening to this podcast. Of course, you can follow me on TikTok at Notorious Banker, at Notorious Banker on Instagram, at BankBetterGuy on Twitter. TheNotoriousBanker.com has all of my links to all of my content, including links to my books. Of course, I am the author of Please Try Your Call Again Later, My Battle with the State of New Mexico Unemployment. Also, the author of High Risk Transaction, The Ryan Coogler Bank of America Incident, where I discussed the Black Panther director Ryan Coogler's incident at Bank of America in Atlanta this year. And I talk about all the things the bank did wrong, all the things the cops did wrong, and if anything that Ryan Coogler could have done better to avoid that potential situation. Spoiler alert, he did nothing wrong. And the soon-to-be author of an untitled Zell book where I'm going to expose Zell through my opinions and thoughts and experiences over the last five years. And I'm going to talk to you about why this is probably the biggest scourge that big banks have ever had. i got a lot going on, my friends. So I really appreciate you following my content. You can donate to me via Venmo or Cash App at the Notorious Banker, all one word. Or you can go to patreon.com slash notoriousbanker and contribute to my project. For as little as a $1 subscription, you can help me, the Notorious Banker, fight back against big banks. I love what I do. I work hard. I am really good at it. So please subscribe. Please contribute. And you'll help a lot of people out because I also donate a portion of the proceeds to help feed the needy here in southern New Mexico as well. But until we meet again, friends, my name is James Baca, known professionally as a Notorious Banker, signing off. We'll talk to you very, very soon, and you have a great day. Goodbye.